Baker Mayfield caught a lot of flack this weekend for losing his cool on the sidelines in that game against Kansas. Now, in order to properly understand my thoughts on this latest Mayfield story, I've got a story. I was in high school. It was summertime, and my Legion baseball team was playing in one of the best tournaments of the year in Duluth, Minnesota. We needed one more win to advance to the tournament championship, and in our way was this super annoying team from Iowa or Nebraska, maybe even Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't really remember that part. Anyways, the whole game, they were talking, and we were talking. It was chippy, a bit heated, and really fun. The seventh inning came. We trailed 2-1, to one and we're down to our last out. The tying run on second base with two outs, and one of our guys struck out. Game over. We left the dugout and began walking towards home plate to shake hands, like you're basically required to do in youth-slash-high school sports. But the other team wasn't feeling that. They began shaking each other's hands. I mean, full-on lining up behind the pitcher's mound and going through the handshake line like they were the freaking Minnesota Twins and had just wrapped up a sweep of the Royals. It was beyond Bush League. This wasn't the majors. This wasn't college baseball. You don't pull what they pulled. When the game ends, you shake the other team's hands, and then you go ahead and do whatever you want after that. So what did I do in response to this Bush League move? I yelled, I screamed, and I wasn't alone. The rest of our guys were angry as well. And guess what? I said some things, some things that Baker Mayfield probably said Saturday on the sidelines of Lawrence. As a team, we refused to shake the other team's hands. No way we were dignifying them after they had shown us up. Of course, they all thought we were in the wrong for refusing the handshake line, which in turn produced more yelling and screaming back and forth before each side split up and went their separate ways. Sports can bring out something you never knew you had inside, good and bad. I'm not saying what I did on that summer afternoon was the right thing to do, but I'm not embarrassed at all by my actions. Those guys on that team were being jerks. They were disrespecting us. They were disrespecting the game, and they needed to be called out. On Saturday, we know Kansas's goal was to rile up Baker Mayfield. We saw the KU captains refuse to shake his hand before the game. We saw one of the Jayhawks players cheap shot Mayfield after he threw a pass and was in a defenseless position. We saw all of that. And we also saw Mayfield make a, subject, a suggestive gesture and yell some colorful language. Those other guys were being jerks. They were disrespecting Mayfield. They were disrespecting the game. And he felt the need to call him out. Was it stupid? Yeah, it was. Is it the end of the world? No, it's not. I don't look to Baker Mayfield to set a moral standard. I just like the way he plays football. And for whatever reason, he seems to play better when embracing WWE-like behavior. Unfortunately, Mayfield didn't play all that well on Saturday based on his standard level of play. You could argue he played his worst game of the season against maybe the worst team OU has played all year. I'm more concerned with that than I am with his antics on the sideline. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. He'll pass here. Off the pump fake. Rolling out. Gets hit. Now he throws it over the middle. It's caught by Anderson. Inside the 10. And Anderson knocked out a play. Did he get in? He did. Touchdown, Oklahoma. And that's why Baker Mayfield's going to win the Heisman. Dave Pash praising Baker Mayfield, and then a couple of hours later, he would change his tune and 
shied the Heisman frontrunner after some crotch grabbing and some not safe for work language. OU goes on to beat KU 41 to 3, but the big story arising from Lawrence revolves around Mr. Mayfield and his sideline antics. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this Monday edition of West of Everest. Again, I am Lee Benson, and joining me, as always, is my brother, Grant. Well, Grant, Baker Mayfield, the best player in college football, and he may have made a lot of people mad on Saturday. What are your thoughts? I don't know, Lee. I I was actually, so after the game last night, I sort of kind of logged off of the internet and Twitter for the entire night, and I honestly didn't even know this thing was a big deal until this morning when you told me it was. So over the last couple hours, I've, I've been collecting my thoughts on the issue, and I think I do have um, some pretty poignant thoughts to bring up as, as we kind of go along in our show today. All right, well, usually we jump right into game breakdown stuff, but this week I think we should start with Mayfield because here in Oklahoma, it it really blew up on Saturday after the game, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was Kansas, and Oklahoma was in control of the game for the most part the entire way, and it was just something to talk about. So here is what Mayfield had to say after the game. We're going to listen to his quote, and then we'll dive into this entire issue. So here's Baker Mayfield's statement after the game. I got caught up in a competitive game, chippy game, but what I did uh, today, tonight, was unacceptable. Um, I am a competitive player, but that's what what I did was unacceptable, and so I apologize. It's uh, disrespectful. It's not the example I want to set. It's not the legacy I want to leave at OU. It's not. Um, so I, I truly do apologize. It's um, you know, think about the kids that are watching. It's not. It's not something I want to do. And so uh, to the parents out there, I'm sorry. It's not the. You know, anything that you want your kids to watch or to have a role model. So I, I really do apologize from the bottom of my heart. All right. So that's Baker Mayfield's thoughts, Grants. Um, let's see. Here we go. Here's the question I have for you. Do you think people's feelings and thoughts on this story and on Baker Mayfield are simply determined by if you like Baker Mayfield or if you don't like Baker Mayfield? What do you think? I, I think that certainly is part of it. And so this is kind of where where my interesting thoughts come in here. So just just a little background on, on how I am just mentality-wise when it comes to sports like this. I am not rah-rah guy at all. Um, I, I, I'm generally... Uh, the type of person who who, who wants you know his, his players to keep a cool head. I, I coached for four years, um, so I, I always like to tell my players this. I, I always like to keep cool heads. I don't like the rah-rah stuff. I don't like the getting all jacked up um, because I, I, I generally think that people who are calm, cool, and collected play better, and that's always just been kind of one of my things. So when Baker Mayfield came onto the scene three years ago, it was kind of a weird thing for me because I had never seen um, – you know, an OU quarterback act like that before. And not only, you know, did he have these antics and, and did he have, you know, this fire and, and um, just this passion for playing the game. And he did talk a lot of trash, but he also backed it up. He was really, really good. And so I, I remember having sort of a, a, a crisis of, of, of confidence, if you will, when he first came up, because I was like, ah, this, this is something I generally don't like in a player, but for whatever reason I do now. And so when, when you bring that up or, you know, is this determine whether or not people like or dislike him? I obviously love Baker Mayfield. He's my he's probably my favorite OU player of all time. And I think because of that, I have been a lot more open to dismiss some of his antics. Um, so just so just to lay it out on the line, I'll, I'll typically if 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 this was not Baker Mayfield, I can absolutely see 
um, why other people dislike this sort of stuff because I typically don't. Um, so that's kind of what I've been struggling with, Lee, the last couple hours of thinking about it because when you first brought this up, my first thought was, this is ridiculous. This is a total non-story. Why are people talking about this? And so I kind of had to ask myself a tough question. Is this because I love Baker Mayfield and he, he plays for the team that I root for? Or or is this something, you know, am I being objective on this? So I did just want to lay that out there and, and just to let the audience know that I'm not a completely objective person to be talking about this issue. Um Having that been said, yes, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, whether or not you like or dislike Baker Mayfield. And I think for the most part, I think a majority of the country likes Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I think really the only people who dislike him are, are probably the, the nine other teams in the Big 12. Um, but yeah, it's certainly an interesting thing. And do I think a lot of it had to do with, with them, you know, playing a sleepy, boring game against Kansas on a sleepy, boring weekend of college football where really nothing was happening? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, but I think it's important that we all just kind of step back and look at this objectively um, and realize that, that we are biased in the situation and that there there are things that Baker did uh, in yesterday's game that I don't think we really should condone as just an overall, as just, as just a societal thing, as a society. Um, having that been said, I, I think a lot of this stuff does happen during football, though, and I think that does need to be part of the calculus as well. What do you think, Lee? Well, I think uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, and, and generally I'm with you as far as not being a big fan of rah-rah guy. And I thought you brought up some good points initially about when Baker Mayfield came on the scene, because I'm with you in that, in that sense, because he is able to back it up. And it's, it's one of those things where he backs it up with good play. But at, at the same time, if Baker Mayfield starts to play poorly, he's setting himself up to get criticized even more than he would otherwise based on his actions. So to, to add more to your thoughts, for this situation like this, I think it's important to be intellectually honest, which I think you just were, and it was, it's nice to, to hear you acknowledge that, of course, we're going to have bias. All, hum, all human beings have bias, especially when it comes to sports. So in this situation, it's important to be intellectually honest, and an important question I think one should ask him or herself as a fan or a non-fan of Baker Mayfield is how would I react to this if a player I supported or a player I did not support did what Mayfield did? And it's important that your answer is the same for each player. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't have super strong feelings towards players one way or another, love or hate. So for me, it's easy to not care too much about the situation, but a lot of people love or hate Baker Mayfield, so you're going to get some strong opinions. I also know there are a lot of people who like Mayfield who are not defending him here, which makes sense. I like Mayfield. My opening take may be misconstrued as me defending the guy, but I'm not defending him. I'm just pointing out that sports is emotional, and those of us who have played the game have probably done similar things that he did on Saturday. doesn't mean it's right, but it happens because sports are fun. And stuff like that makes it even more fun, especially because you can develop even stronger bonds with your teammates in situations like that. So that's kind of my thoughts initially on that. Uh, one one topic that I've I, I've heard get brought up by it definitely it's Oklahoma supporters, and it makes sense. Is what level of responsibility does Kansas bear in this situation, if if any at all? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's that's an interesting question to bring up, and, and I think. Um I guess when we're answering this question, I, I, I think it's important to separate the antics from both teams. 
um, because, you know, A doesn't necessarily equal B, if that makes sense. So I thought what Kansas, I, I thought Kansas's antics over the course of the game were just childish and stupid and, 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 and very loser mentality. Like, um, something I, it, it really started to make me think that, that David, that David Beatty has probably lost control of his team for the most part. Um, the, the, the whole, the whole not shaking uh, Mayfield's hand at the coin toss was bizarre to me. That was just why on earth did they? I, I, I guess you know you could argue that you know what they were trying to do sort of worked if they fired up Mayfield, maybe threw him off his game a little bit. But I, I just I don't I, I, I guess just from a from a from a practical standpoint, if I was on Kansas's football team and if I was a captain and somebody and my fellow captain brought that up and said, hey, let's do this at the coin toss, I would say, are you freaking insane? Why on earth would we want to do that? And so that and that, that's what everyone I, I think was thinking, you know, before the game started when they saw that on TV. And you know, it, it obviously didn't turn out as well in the first half. The Sooners came out totally flat. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that really did have have some sort of bearing on on the way that Baker played in the first half. I don't know, but but you know, it's still it doesn't just because Kansas was was antic filled and they were doing some some boneheaded things. It, it doesn't mean that. That, that Baker and the rest of the team should respond in kind. So like I said, A doesn't equal B in the situation. So um, what level is, of, of responsibility does Kansas bear for Baker's actions? I think if we're going to be honest with that, I, th- I would say zero because Baker still has the, has the power and, and he should have the head to, you know, to not do some of that stuff. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, two things can be true at once. Uh, just Baker's, Baker's response can be unacceptable and something that he shouldn't done and childish, but at the same time, what Kansas was doing, I think, as, as a head coach, I think David Beatty should be should be embarrassed of his team. To be honest with you, I, I, that's not how I would want my team to handle themselves. And, and I'm mostly thinking of that. It's it was the, the cheap shot on Baker really kind of fired me up a little bit. I really didn't like that, even though I think for the most part it was harmless because I I, I think. You know, Baker wasn't hurt or anything on it, but I mean, it, it it was clearly a you know, it clearly was a cheap shot, and it could have been a lot worse than it really was. Um, but having that been said, it was just a chippy game, and it, it was a game that I'm glad is over. That was kind of uh, that was kind of worst case scenario. Uh, if you would have told me that Kansas was going to come out and, and try to you know muck it up and be dirty, I would have been pretty pretty concerned uh, because really there was no chance Kansas was ever going to win this game. And if they came in, you know, wanted to be chippy and dirty, that that really could have had some long-term implications for the rest of the Sooner season. And I'm glad that's not the case. Um, but to go back to, you know, to answer your original question, what, what level of responsibility does Kansas have here? I, I'm going to say zero just responded as well to put a bow on it. I, uh, I am a handshake before the game truther grant. And here's what I mean by that. I, I think the handshake thing is being taken way out of proportion because I want more context in that handshake. And here's why. This sounds so ridiculous. We're breaking down a handshake. Everyone's seen the video by now, right? Baker Mayfield's out there with the rest of the OU captains and the Kansas captains. And the Kansas captains have their hands behind their back, obviously um, keeping them behind their back for whatever reason. And Mayfield reaches out his hand to shake. Here's my thing, though. It's weird to me that no other Sooner player also goes in for a handshake. It's just Baker Mayfield. That makes me think, was this a weird time? Like, did they, had they already, sh- like, shook hands or whatever? And, like, it was just another weird chance? Because, like, why didn't all the other OU guys go in to shake hands, too? I guess that's – because, like, whenever you see captains at midfield for all levels, high school, college, I guess that doesn't really happen. In the NFL, too, like, 
everybody goes in at the same time to shake hands, not just like one person. That was weird to me. Was that? Well, did you even I mean, they that? were. Yeah, Lee, but they were. It, I, I mean, I think that's maybe unnecessary trying to break it down from that angle. <laughs> they were. They. I mean, seriously, they they were obviously making an effort not to shake their hands. They they all had their hands behind yeah. their back and were were in like a defiant way. So maybe all the OU players their, saw that. With the exception of Baker, and but Maker Mayfield was like, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and just give it a shot, anyways. But the other, the other Maybe. captains, Stephen Parker and Oboe, were just kind of like, ah, they don't want to shake hands, so I just don't want to shake hands either. Maybe that was what was going I on. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess now that you bring it up, it is kind of weird that Baker was the only one offering to shake hands. Who knows? But <laughs> I, I, the the point is, Kansas was was obviously trying to make a statement by not shaking yeah. hands. Okay. Their, their their body language was screaming it, and some of them even looked downright terrified that they were doing that. So you know, I, I don't know if they looked terrified. They looked like they it was a planned out situation and it had uh, you know to obviously obviously been planned because they all had their hands behind their backs and, and you know what and this is i think this is maybe this is maybe the last thing we should say about the hand about the handshake with kansas you know i, I don't mean to pile on kansas I, I don't think their their football program is 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 the type of you know program that maybe we should take shots at but that that antic was something that i would expect out of a out of a one in ten football program let's just say that how many Heisman Trophy voters, Grant, will change their votes based off of what happened in, on Saturday in Lawrence? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm curious as to how many Heisman Trophy voters change their votes based off of the, the antics of Jameis Winston and, and Johnny Manziel. Um, I would guess not many, but maybe some. So, but to answer your question, I, I would hope none. Um, and if they do, I guess that that's their business. That's you know they they're allowed to have their own criteria for who they vote. I would totally disagree with it. I think it's a lame reason to change your vote. Um, but you know, more power to you. you. You have a Heisman vote, and I don't. So uh, how many of them will? I would say it's 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 none to to very very few. To answer this question, I'll go to my boss at News Nine, the sports director Dean Blevins, who tweeted on Saturday that Mayfield, quote, definitely lost votes on Saturday. And uh, Dean is a Heisman voter, so he certainly has some insight into the whole process. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure how, how many people would change their vote because of this. Frankly, I don't really care because if this stuff, as a Heisman voter, detracts you from recognizing Baker Mayfield as the best player in the country, you're just looking for reasons to knock him down a peg, which is extremely childish, in my opinion, which you can make the argument, well, Baker Mayfield can be extremely childish, which is true. He can be. But as a, as a Heisman voter, uh, the way I look at it is you vote for the best player in college football, and the guy is far and away the best player in the sport this year. The Heisman hasn't been this easy probably since 2013 when, ironically, you just brought, brought him up, when Jameis Winston won it in a landslide over A.J. McCarron. <laughs> so uh, I'd say Winston's character problems were on a much different level than Mayfield's character issues, and Winston still won the Heisman Trophy. So um, I'd like to think that it really it, it shouldn't affect him much, and I hope it doesn't affect him much. But uh, you know, I've, I've been on record by saying the Heisman's useless anyway. So who cares? Yeah, it's a it's it's a totally it's it, it's like it's the most famous uh, individual award probably in all of sports, but. I, I think to, to, to big time college football fans, it's it's certainly lost its luster in, in, in the last decade, I would say. Here's a big picture question. Why do we as a society tend to look at athletes as role models? Is this 
Is this a misguided outlook in your opinion or no? See, this is an interesting question. This is this is something that I've you know personally have I've asked myself numerous times, and and I think in the in the last couple of years, um, I I've really kind of flip flop on this, and so I th- there was a long time where I used to be very very outspoken about this and, and how um, I, I I used to talk about how I used to think it's just kind of dumb to to take athletes as role models i used to say something along the lines of well this is entertainment why do i care who these people you know how how these people act away from the field or how they do it i think it's just silly this is all entertainment for us i I, i've sort of i've sort of stepped back and 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 i think looked at that issue a little more maturely in the last year or so um just as a as, as a bigger societal impact um i don't think we should ever prop up you know, bad human beings. And, and this is, this is more of just a general thing. I don't, I don't think Baker Mayfield's a bad person. I think Baker Mayfield's actually a really good person. I think he's proven that on numerous, numerous occasions. Um, so this is not necessarily even about Baker. Um, but I, I, I understand now why people hold up athletes as role models, just because they are public figures. Um, and as a society, I think we're always looking at uh, looking towards public f- uh, figures to emulate a certain type of behavior. Um, whether or not that's right or wrong, I think is sort of irrelevant. Um, I just think it's human nature to do that because these are the people that we see propped up and we see all the time in the public eye. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that to project. Um, just a general sense of morality onto these people, um, because I think as a society we should have a general, you know, code of decency or general code of morality that we all follow. Um, and if our public figures, um, people that we put, you know, in the public eye and people that we hold in very high regard, if they are not, if they're not emulating these uh, these values and these morals, I think that's something that we should probably call them out for. Just because who else? It, as an example. Um, as you know, this is not how you act in society. And so I think this situation is a little different just because, you know, this was on the football field. This is something that happened on the field and, and you know, it's, it's not real life in that sense. Um, but, but still, you know, I think off of the football field and even on the football field, you know, these kind of antics are, are unacceptable. Um, and, and I think they should be called out like that. I, and I, I thought there, there were times during the game yesterday where, uh, them harping on it on the broadcast and how it seemingly just kind of actually took over the game, what they were talking about. I, I, I thought at sometimes that was kind of bizarre. Um, but, but I think that was more of a, of a product of the game, just not being that interesting. And let, let's be, let's be honest about it. The game was, was, that was the least interesting game they've played all year, bar none. It was a, it was a boring game to watch. It just was. Um, and, and I think that, 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 that at least had to do with half of it. Um, but you know, I mean, to, to, I, I I thought I did a pretty good job of answering that question there. What, what do you think? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, first of all, Baker Mayfield single handedly made the Kansas game interesting. So, props yeah. to Baker Mayfield just away from you know, I guess his actions, but just he made the game interesting. And who would have thought the Kansas game would have been that interesting? Secondly, my thoughts on this is yeah, I think you did a nice job of answering that. I'll uh, I I tend to agree with your overall societal look towards us setting a moral standard that people in the public eye and people that um, we hold in high esteem should strive to represent. I have some similar thoughts, but also a little bit different thoughts on the whole issue, though. I think a lot of people, and I think you kind of touched on this briefly, a lot of people hold athletes as role models or, or look to them as role models because it's kind of the easy thing to do, right? You know, we, we love sports. We always see 
these athletes on TV and watch them. You know, we go to games and watch them play. So because we love the game so much, a lot of a lot of people out there in society want these players to be awesome people and bastions of good behavior as well. And now that I'm an adult, though, I just don't see the value at all in that mentality, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not a fan of Mayfield feeling the obligation to apologize to the parents out there who have kids and watch the OU games and may see Mayfield do something stupid. My general thought when it comes to especially sports figures and let's say movie stars and politicians because there are people in the public eye as well is that they're not role models and Baker Mayfield is not a role model he's a football player and I don't think Mayfield wants to be a role model sure you can argue that maybe he doesn't have a choice in the matter he's the face of OU football he must set a good example and and to some extent I would agree with you but ultimately we are responsible for our own actions and Mayfield is responsible for what he does and Lincoln Riley and the university have the power to discipline him when necessary. I'm not a parent, but if I ever do have kids, it will be my duty to be a role model for my children. I am the role model for the kids, not anybody else. I will set the standard. And if my kids see a football player on TV do something stupid, I'll explain to my kid that what that football player did was stupid. And football players sometimes do stupid things. And also, just more so locally you know and and to, to put it more to, to a local spin as a graduate of Oklahoma and Grant you went to OU as well I, I don't look at Baker Mayfield and think oh man this guy is is representing my school and when he acts the way he did Saturday that's making me look bad and my school look bad no I, I don't think that way at all Baker Mayfield doesn't represent me he just happens to play quarterback for the school that I went to and the school that I like to support he doesn't owe me anything but I think he does owe everything to his teammates and the coaches in that locker room, and I think everybody in that locker room has Baker Mayfield's back. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally agree, and I, I think it's very possible for us to separate um, the the player from uh, from the behavior. So, for instance, you know, as far as a role model goes, I think Baker Mayfield is is the perfect person to point to if you want to, you know, if if you want to bring your your young children into this, saying. I think this is how you should play when you're on the field. This is how this is how you should play. It should be, you know, giving full effort at all times, um, playing with a passion. I, I think he's the perfect person to emulate um, passion for the game and how you play the game, um, because I don't think anyone has more fun um, than Baker Mayfield. And even goes further than that. Um, not even on the field. It can go off the field as well in preparation for the game, because you know Baker is 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 very good. He's um, he's a student of the game. He's very studious. You can tell just by the way he plays. He's um, so in that sense, I think um, he is a, he is a role model. As far as as behavior and vulgarity goes, I, I don't think I would ever um, say you should emulate vulgarity or, or behavior like that. But at the same time, we're all human, and sometimes it does happen. Um, and and ju- just to put a bow on this whole thing, and this is one of the things that that has kept going through my head this morning. As I as I think about it. we we were recording this on Sunday morning. This is just the the day after the game. This is what I've been thinking. Is um, I Baker Mayfield? You know, I've he, he's he's probably my favorite Sooner ever. I think he's the best player in program history. Um, I, I think the the value and what he's added to this program is is immeasurable. I think he's in some ways he's saved this program single handedly. Um, having that been said, I, it has kind of made me um, 
have to have to rethink my my thoughts about the type of player he is and his antics and everything and um and it, this is what I've really thought of Lee I prefer my quarterbacks um to handle themselves like uh like Sam Bradford does quiet confident um like that just just not too out there doesn't say a whole lot I I would prefer my quarterbacks to act like that uh, you know, pretty much the exact opposite of Baker Mayfield. Yet I still love Baker Mayfield. And yet the thing that I, I can't get out of my head, Lee, is I prefer my quarterbacks to to carry themselves like Sam Bradford. But it's very hard for me not to think that if Sam Bradford had the same sort of attitude that Baker Mayfield has, it's hard for me to think uh, that the Sooners wouldn't have their eighth national championship right now. Because I think they might if, if if Sam Bradford was like Baker Mayfield. And so that's that. That's how I'm get, that. That's how I'm going to put the bow on this. Um, and obviously, it's 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 something that I'd never be able to measure. But I I feel like that might be the case. And I, I think you have the same thoughts as well. You you've said that I feel like over the last decade. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I have, and I think Sam Bradford's one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. I mean, the guy was awesome at Oklahoma. And I remember that 2008 season so vividly, and he was so good. And even I think he threw eight interceptions, and like I think six of the picks were like not even his they're fault. Pu- they were punts, basically. Like, yeah, I mean they're, they're either like a, a deep pass that like was a punt, or like it was tipped. Or so I mean he was so good. But the one thing he just did not have was that. Fo- and this sounds so cliche and generic that I used to not think it was that big of a deal. But now seeing Baker Mayfield play, it certainly can be measured to. Uh, because he has that fire and that want to that just never came across the killer you, instinct. The kill, yeah, the, the killer. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The killer instinct that a guy like Tom Brady has. Tom Brady's got it. He and, and you can even make the argument that Peyton Manning, who's one of the best quarterbacks ever, didn't have it anywhere near as, as Tom Brady did. And, and Tom Brady has obviously surpassed every quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's the best ever. And it's just it's something that you can't really measure, but you can you can see. You can see it sometimes with your own two eyes, and Baker Mayfield does have it to go along with supreme talent. Yeah, and I think it I, I think it shows itself and it manifests itself in different ways. For instance, uh, someone like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is, is a guy who carries himself very calmly on the football field, but he's a guy who has a killer instinct. Yeah, and that's it's, a really it, good point. It's, and it's a it, it's a quiet assassin like killer instinct. Um, whereas Sam Bradford was just kind of a, oh, well, you know, never too high, never too low type of guy. Um, so that, that, you know, it it can come in different ways, but I, I did just want to bring that up, uh, basically just to highlight, you know, this is who Baker is and, you know, it, it, it might be to his credit, at least a little bit. Lastly, Grant, the last part about this Baker Mayfield situation, and I, and I got something I think that this is actually a good thing for Mayfield and the Sooners moving forward, and here's why. Obviously, Oklahoma's looking to make the playoff, and Oklahoma's in control of its own destiny right now. The Sooners went out, they're going to be in. But now having them in the top four for the first time, last week, the Sooners get in there, and so now they're in. As of now, going up against Kansas, where Oklahoma knew they were going to go into the game and win. How do, what makes Baker Mayfield play even better for whatever reason? When he gets in his head that he's being doubted and having the fourth spot in the college football playoff probably helped a little bit because Oklahoma should have been at least in the third spot, at least number three, maybe even number two. 
And I, I know some college football experts had Oklahoma at number one at this point in the year. So Oklahoma being somewhat disrespected at number four helps. But now with this happening and how there's going to be some, some, some people out there in the national media and just fans in general that are going to be even more looking for a reason to knock down Baker Mayfield because of what happened in this game, that could also add another chip to his shoulder about, hey, you know what? Yeah, I might do some things that people don't like, but you know what? I go out on the field and I'm going to win and I'm going to play well and I'm going to, and I'm going to dominate you and I'm going to shut you up. And so that just adds more fuel to Baker Mayfield's fire moving forward at the most important time of the year with West Virginia coming up, a must-win game, and then the Big 12 championship coming up, which is also a must-win game. And after that, hopefully Oklahoma wins both games, and then boom, we can all enjoy Oklahoma and the college football playoff. And at that point, if Oklahoma makes it that far, you just know so much talk will be about Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. And there's going to be a lot of positive talk about how the way, how he plays the game. But there will also be that negative talk. And Baker Mayfield will hear all of that negative talk, which in addition to him preparing for the game, and of course he has to first prepare for West Virginia, in addition to him watching the film and being coached up, he will add that doubt, that uh, ridicule to his you know, to his mental preparation, which can only help Oklahoma and him going forward. I, I would just, I, I would just suggest to Baker, um, listen. You know, football is a vulgar game; it's going to happen. Keep the vulgarity between the white lines. As soon as you cross over that white line onto the sideline, keep it, keep it PG. I, <laughs> I think, just seriously, seriously. I, I think that should be. Uh, I think that would be a valuable rule of thumb going forward for him. And I'm sure there's going to be people in his ear telling him that i'm sure i'm sure the old ball coach is going to be telling him that um uh, you know and, and i i have no problem with him chirping at the fans on the sideline just keep it keep it pg that's all grant and i have some thoughts on the actual ou kansas game hey the sooners defense it, it played pretty well plus grant's got some thoughts on miami a team that's ahead of ou right now in the playoff rankings but before we get to all of that i want to remind you that west of everest is available on itunes and soundcloud a lot of you are listening to the show on itunes so if you get a chance Please leave us a rating and or a review. A few of you have already done that so far, and we really appreciate it. All feedback, much appreciated as well. Definitely taken into consideration as well. If you want to contact the show, ask us, ask us a question or provide your opinion on a topic, email us at westofeverest at gmail.com. Again, that's westofeverest at gmail.com. I'll, I'll also post the email in the, uh, the podcast notes, the details. So uh, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, Share it with your friends, other people that think uh, that you think might like the show as well. We'd appreciate um, even more listeners, and uh, we really enjoy putting these shows together and talking OU football throughout this really exciting, awesome Sooners year. So now let's move on to the Oklahoma offense taking on the Kansas defense, and let's be let's be honest, Grant. Oklahoma offensively played its worst game of the year. Uh, should we have seen this coming? Um, in retrospect, I, I almost, yeah, I, I think we should have because as the game was playing out, as I was watching it, I wasn't particularly surprised. Um, let's be, they, they just, they did not play well on offense at all. Let, let's just, I, I thought they played poorly actually at times. Um, and I, it looked I looked like a, a, a regular college football offense for a lot yeah, of that game. They, like they it was did, just, it was really bizarre. And, and let's, I think let's be fair. I, I thought, they they were obviously very vanilla yesterday. You you didn't see yeah. 
some some of the wrinkles that you usually see out of them. Uh, the the thing that really uh, alarmed me the most and alarming is maybe a little too much is just how they they did not run the ball particularly well at all. Um, and and you know you heard about you know we, we we even talked about it that you know KU's defensive line is actually really good and you know they they proved it yesterday. KU's defensive line looked spectacular yesterday. Um, how much of that was was KU's defensive line just being that good, or how much of it was the OU's offensive line just playing poorly? Um, I, I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and watch it again. But but overall, just uh, not a very clean game on offense. Um, I I don't know. Lee did it, they they made a huge deal out of the weather. I I don't know if it should have affected it that much. What do you think? Well, the fact that the wind was blowing in direction of the field so either you were going right into the wind or going with the wind I think that definitely does have some impact on the game and we saw it I thought right off the bat on the first series for Oklahoma when Mayfield's first pass attempt was just like a duck and like it sailed high and almost was picked off it was tipped and that was going into the wind so when whenever OU is going into the wind and there's some 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 passes that aren't quite there I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt but the problem was Grant when they flip fields and Baker Mayfield had the wind at his back, and he was still for a couple, like at least three different throws, wildly inaccurate. I started getting a little bit concerned, and it's one of those things too where the past couple games, you know, we saw him throw the two bad picks against Oklahoma State. He played extremely well against TCU, and and obviously outside of those two picks against Oklahoma State, Baker Mayfield was awesome in that game, and he was he, again he was really good against TCU. So I mean, he's still the best quarterback by far in college football. But whenever you see him look inaccurate, that's where it's like it's he's so on the money normally that you kind of think, what's going on there? And and I'd like to think that hopefully it was one of those things where it's Kansas. If he's going to be inaccurate for a game and be off a little bit, might as well happen against KU. But there was three balls in that second quarter when he was with the wind where he just threw, he went through high and like he, he he missed Mark Andrews high over the middle that should have been picked off. He missed CD Lamb down the left sideline where that he was wide touchdown. open by overthrew him by three yards. And I mean, maybe yeah. you think, well, he overthrew him because he had the wind at his back and and he you know the wind took it and it went too far. I mean, yeah, I mean that's actually a pretty decent argument to why he was inaccurate with that. But um, it's it's supposed to be a little easier throwing with the with the wind as opposed to against the wind. And um, he had some some balls that were, were off the mark. But at the same time, though, he did have that deep pass to Marquise Brown that Brown maybe yeah, should have caught. I, I couldn't Brown really dropped a couple of long balls that probably would have, you know, that helped the stats out a little bit. I, that would have helped the stats a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that first one, though, I I kind of went frame by frame. I think it might have been tipped a little bit, which made yeah, it tough I, for him to I, catch it. I couldn't, I really couldn't tell. tell. I couldn't tell. It, I, I, it was still it still hit both of his hands. So, you know, yeah, yeah, probably so, I mean, should have been caught. I, I mean, I, I think bottom line is the offense just didn't play very well. Um, and, and I think you could you could probably point to to a couple of reasons why mostly, you know, they're on the road in November against Kansas. The, the stadium didn't even look like it was half full, to be honest with you. Um, and obviously the weather and the wind, too, you know, may have played a factor. Um, and, you know, coming off a, a, a win over a top six team last week. Um, still, it would have been nice to see them play a little better on offense, especially with the running game. They they couldn't they couldn't run the ball. It, it really did seem like KU kind of employed that Iowa State 
style of playing defense, and they did a pretty good job with it, it seemed like. Um, I, I didn't see Kansas blitzing a whole lot. I sure saw them with three down linemen a lot, and uh, their linebackers making a lot of plays in the running game. Um, so maybe going forward, that's kind of the, the blueprint for stopping OU, Lee? Yeah, it, it probably is, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, TCU em- employs more of that because TCU is more of a man-to-man, cover-two type defense. When Oklahoma sees him again in the Big 12 title game, I, I think it's pretty it's a pretty good guess that Gary Patterson will change up his scheme a little bit and try to do some things differently. I mean, it, it'll be the second time they played in a month, which is that's so bizarre, by the way, in football and in, in college football. I mean, in the NFL, every once in a while, a couple teams will play each other, you know, in the span of a, a few weeks or a month or something like that, you know, whatever. But in college football, that doesn't ever happen, really, at, at all. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that certainly is how to slow down Oklahoma's offense and prevent some big plays. But Oklahoma has shown against Iowa State, for example, and against uh, Texas Tech, I think, tried to do that a little bit, too, that Oklahoma still is able to take what the, off- the defense gives them, and they sure. still can create big plays even when a defense is playing that way. And they also they were they were very vanilla yesterday. They they weren't pulling out the big guns. They didn't have any any cleverly drawn up plays or anything like that. And, and let's and let's be real. I mean, you that that sort of defense only works against OU if you're able to stop the run. If, if the Sooners are able to run the ball out of that, you're screwed. So like it's and and I I think I think a lot of teams have actually tried to defend OU like this uh, like this this year, and it really hasn't worked out for a lot of teams. Um, it, it didn't even, it, we've, we even said it, it didn't even really work out that well for Iowa state. I mean, OU still moved the ball at will in that game, um, just turned it over and in, in opportune times, but you know, I, 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 I don't think the offensive line played particularly well, uh, especially, um, running the ball. And I, I think that's okay. If, if, if they're going to have one off game, this is the one that, that I think it's okay for them to have a half game, especially in a game. I think it's funny we're sitting here critically talking about them after they just won a game forty-one to three. Um, That's how high they've they've set the bar this yeah, season. Yeah, and you know what? It, it's it, it was finally nice to see that uh, you know the offense had an off day, and uh, it was nice to see that the defense was able to pick them up a little bit, at least for the first you know two and a half quarters of the game until they were able to get into a rhythm offensively. But before we go to the defense, real quick, any cause for concern moving forward in regard to the Oklahoma offense? Nope, not yet. Um, well, uh, if if they struggle again next week, then then I would say maybe there's some cause for concern. Um, but but we'll see. They they were very vanilla yesterday. They they weren't doing a whole lot. Yeah, I I, I uh, will trumpet those thoughts. I, I you know, it's can it's Kansas, Oklahoma. They knew they could come come on, come in get off the bus and win the game. And um, again, yeah, I think that's a good point. If they struggle somehow, sometimes against West Virginia, which does not have a good defense at all, one of the worst defenses in the country, then yeah, there certainly would be some cause for concern. Also, real quick before we go to the defense, Baker Mayfield finishes his career 14-0 and in true road games. That's an incredible stat. I would love, love to see... Um, if he's if he's the only quarterback who's like started three plus years who has never lost a game on the road, yeah, I, I would really like to see that. I mean, certainly in like a Power Five conference. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I so, mean, it's, that's an incredible stat. Incredible. So that defense, technically, statistically, best of the year. Grant only allowed 155 total yards. Best game of the year. UTEP was able to gain 167. So. 
the Miners put up 12 more yards than Kansas was able to. Grant, what uh, I mean, what stood out to you most on defense? Um, is there anything you can, any one thing or two things you can kind of point to? Yeah, I, I thought they controlled the game, the entire game. I thought they played really well. There was a. Uh, there were some some talks, I think, in the broadcast that Kansas had just left some plays on the field. I didn't necessarily agree with that. Um, some of those plays would have been spectacular plays for Kansas to make that they kind of left on the field that I don't I don't think average teams would make. So I don't know why they expected Kansas to make them. Um, <laughs> for for the most part, I thought the OU defense absolutely dominated that game. I, Kansas kind of struggled really to do much of anything outside of those little five yard outs that they would do. Um, I thought I, I, I did think Kansas's offense was very predictable. You know, they had that, they had that play where they had the four guys, the four receivers lined up on one side of the field. They threw that little screen pass uh, every single time out of that formation. Um, it, really for the most part, they, they couldn't, they just couldn't really get anything going. I think they had um, both of the, of the drives where they kind of threatened to score. They, they had short fields. Um, the the one big play that they gave up, the the long thirty four yard pass to Sims over Norwood, I thought was just a perfect throw, um, and it was not good coverage by Norwood, but he didn't get burned by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I I thought they were good. Um, I I think Kansas I, Kansas barely averaged one yard a carry. Um, I it was pretty obvious that Kansas was just trying to get the ball out of their hands really quickly. So um, it wasn't a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback, but for the most part, I, I thought the defense played well. Um, they, they did exactly what they were supposed to uh, against a really bad Kansas offense. I thought Lincoln Riley said that the defense took a big step. And when you hold a team in this league to three points, that means you played pretty well. What stood out to me was um, I, I wouldn't I mean, based on the stats, it looks like it was dominant. I don't think it was dominant because I don't think Oklahoma really is capable of playing a dominant defensive game based on the scheme the Sooners play. It's so soft and it just it Kansas. It was more just Kansas being very inept. I thought um, having said that, though, Oklahoma did exactly what it needed to do against a team like Kansas. If Oklahoma wants to be a defense that can win a national championship. And what were my standards going into this game? If you all remember last week, I, I thought Kansas would score 14 points. And, and I said, if Kansas is, is held to two big plays, I'd be happy. Well, Oklahoma only allowed one big play and it was only a 34 yard play. It wasn't even a touchdown. So in that sense, the Sooners defense certainly exceeded my expectations in that game. So I got to give them credit for that. As far as the defensive backs go, I thought it was interesting. Parnell Motley got the start. Instead of Trey Brown, uh, instead of Trey Brown, and then of course uh, Trey Norwood started as well. And after the game, Lincoln Riley was asked about the cornerback situation, and he said that it was really close between Motley and Brown uh, during the week, but they gave it to Motley because I, I I think it was because Motley practiced a little bit better. And um, Riley also said, "quote We've got three corners there that we feel really good about, so three corners, so that would be the." two trays and then Parnell Motley so you think oh what where's Jordan Thomas factored in this equation but then later on in the presser on Saturday after the game he he said that they're still they're also competing and that we'll get Jordan Thomas back here at some point so uh, the thought of Jordan Thomas being out for the year or, or you know coming back I, the thought of Jordan Thomas coming back is still out there so it's not like we have we may not have seen the last of Jordan Thomas and I think it is it is worth mentioning that he was on the sideline yesterday 
I, I did see him on TV. He was in street clothes, but he was on the sideline. Um, so that if if he's typically when a guy who is hurt actually travels with the team, uh, that's that's a good sign. That leads me to believe that he's not like suspended or anything like that. I think that was the big. I, I, I think that was the big concern last week when he wasn't on the sideline. Was that you know it was actually he was actually suspended and and for you know anything like that. So it leads me to believe that at least you know he's in he's in good favor with his teammates. If he was on the sideline and he traveled with the team on the road, uh, so that's good to see. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that Parnell started Tuli, um, and I, that's good to me. And I and I thought he was okay yesterday. I don't think he was spectacular. There there were a couple plays that I think he um, that Kansas probably could have made against him. Not big ones. I, I'm talking just like little eight nine yard completions. Um, I think that's nitpicking though. I thought, I thought Parnell was fine yesterday and it, it was really nice to see him not get burned. So, which, which had kind of become a trend, um, once or twice a game over the, you know, in October. Um, if Motley can come back to, you know, how he was playing at the beginning of the season, that's just going to be icing for this defensively because, you know, do you remember just the, the hype for Parnell Motley in September? I mean, yeah, he of course was, I do. yeah, he, he was the best player on the defense. So Mm-hmm. If 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 he can return to that, that'll just be huge because it looks like Norwood um, has 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 sort of solidified that other side of the field where Jordan Thomas was. And I, I want to go back to those 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 plays that we mentioned that that Kansas couldn't make that the the, the broadcasters kind of kept going back to. Um, I think that's been the difference so far with Norwood. Norwood is able to actually force the other team to make a play where it seemed like for a long time that just wasn't the case with Jordan Thomas that he wasn't able to make a play on the ball. Norwood has 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 at least shown the capability to make some sort of play on the ball and at least force. Um, the offensive player to make a play and like I said earlier those were plays that it's hard for just an average team to make much less Kansas and so you know you weren't seeing Jordan Thomas do that earlier in the season and so I obviously that's you know that's been a big difference with Trey in there and obviously with Motley I mean you know he's they started calling him you know um what was it, uh, DC Island for a reason? Yeah, it'd be it'd, it'd be great if that came back after a while. And so I, I this was I th- I think this was the perfect game to throw him in there, maybe get him some confidence back, and uh, going up against West Virginia next week, probably without their sto- without their starting quarterback, um, is another, especially against good receivers, is another game where he'll be able to uh, to build on that confidence. Lee Motley leading the team with six tackles. Trey Norwood, the second leading tackler with five tackles. Also, Norwood had a couple pass breakups. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, both of them played played well against uh, a, a limited offense. There was one instance where Parnell Motley probably should have been called for a pass interference uh, on a play in the end zone. He was grabbing yeah, too much that. and uh, got away with it. Against a good a good team, I doubt he gets away with that. I think he gets flagged 100%. Um, also, there was one of the pass breakups for Trey Norwood in the end zone. I think he may have gotten away with a little bit of you know a little bit of holding hand stuff but at the same time though like those aren't always called pis and you watch an sec game or a big 10 game and you see the defensive backs always playing tight coverage i mean a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of jostling and sometimes it doesn't get called and it's so i guess the point is is that it's good to be more physical like that because then that makes the the wide receivers kind of think a little bit more and it makes it more difficult on them as you you were kind of alluding to a little bit ago is is whenever you make the wide receiver have to make a play that's a good thing for your defense because it's not as easy for the offense so it's it's nice to see the oklahoma secondary making 
some more strides for the past uh, two weeks and somewhat three weeks if you want to go back to the second half of the Oklahoma State game. And if we're gonna, and if we want to go into the future too, I, this is where I think it's really important. Is you're not even even in 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 hypothetical playoff situations, these um, these teams that they're going to go up to, that these teams are not going to be on the same level as as some of the teams they've seen on the Big Twelve in terms of being able to complete passes down the field, and that's just that's just a fact. So that's why I think it's really it's really important to. Uh, to build the confidence with with teams like this early on, and any sort of game where they're not getting burned for long touchdowns, in my eyes, is positive. Even if it's even if it is against Kansas, because Kansas has shown the ability to put on to you know put up some yards and points against people. They they put up almost 500 yards of offense last week against against Texas Lee. So yeah, and scored 27 you know, points. And they were, and I know, I know the wind was a factor yesterday, but they were, for the most part, yesterday against OU's offense, they were totally punchless. They they could not get anything going. So I think that's that's a positive, just in general, you know, especially considering what we've seen from this defense this year. I think that's a great way to put the bow on the defensive talk. Briefly, Grant, let's discuss some other games in college football from Saturday. Normally, we kind of save our thoughts on on teams until the middle of the week when we have a little more time to kind of prepare. But since the, a lot of the games on Saturday this week were at 11 a.m., which was kind of nice because I got to watch a lot of the games. Uh, I have to work always on Saturdays, and sometimes depending on when OU plays or Oklahoma State plays, it's tough to watch other games. But I was able to actually watch Wisconsin and Michigan, Miami and Virginia, um, let's see. I, I watched a good amount of Oklahoma State and Kansas State, which was a surprising outcome to say the least in that one. So let's let's talk quickly about some of the other games. And I'm just going to go to you. What's the first game you want to talk about? What are your initial thoughts on anything? Well, I think the biggest game on, on Saturday, of course, was Wisconsin and Michigan. And um, if you watch that game at all, you you were you were tuning you were tuning into a very very Big Ten game. Um, just, just not a whole lot of fireworks in that game. I, I think Wisconsin did just did just what they needed to do to beat Michigan, which is, which is, I, I think, kind of how you and I both thought that game would go. Um, that Wisconsin would, for the most part, be pretty limited to what they were able to do offensively, which, which turned out to be the case. Um, but I think we both expected Michigan to really be pretty punchless on offense, which is exactly what happened. Um, Wisconsin won that game twenty four to ten. I think they got a punt return for a touchdown in there as well. Alex Hornibrook, their starting quarterback, I think threw an interception for the eighth consecutive game. That's awful. He's I mean, he that's is so awful. He's so bad. He is so so terrible. And it's it just shows you one that their schedule is garbage. Wisconsin hasn't played anybody. Two, it it also shows you that Wisconsin's a very good good running team i mean they can run the football very well that, i mean they, uh, they put off jonathan taylor in, he's in, good he reminds me of uh he reminds me of david montgomery at iowa state he's there he's he's a really good player so yeah i mean that's that's basically wisconsin's offense so and michigan for the most part the their, michigan's defense was basically shutting down wisconsin but the thing is is that michigan's offense is hot garbage and couldn't put any pressure on Wisconsin's defense, which couldn't get Michigan, you know. Uh, I mean, at, at one point, Michigan was leading the game 10-7, to 7, but 10-7 to 7 is not 17-7 to 7 or 14-7 to 7 or 21-7. to 7. I mean, you get Wisconsin down by two scores against a defense like Michigan's, and Wisconsin's probably done. But just 
the Michigan, no offense that Wisconsin has faced has been able to do anything against that defense. One, because that defense is good. But two, none of the offenses that Wisconsin has seen this year are competent, with the exception of maybe Florida Atlantic and maybe Northwestern. And competent is being a very, very generous to those two teams, especially considering that when Wisconsin played Florida Atlantic, it was very early in the year, and the Owls weren't as good as I think the Owls are now under Lane Kiffin. Yeah, Lee, I do. I right before we we came on to record this, I did go through. I wanted to to see where um, where Wisconsin's opponents were in in offensive S and P, and Lee, they've they've only faced. Um, they've only faced two offenses this year in the top 60 of offensive S and P that's, that's awful. That's FAU 10th and Michigan was 53rd going into the game yesterday. I'm assuming they probably fell quite a bit after yesterday, but other than that, it's a lot of there's 93rd, 123rd, 86th, 77th, 71st, 96th, 122nd, 101st, 108th. Um, that's that's facing a lot of offenses like the Sooners faced yesterday in Kansas, and you you saw what happened. So I, I think it's I think it's very fair for us to be. Uh, let's you know their their numbers defensively are impressive, no doubt. And I have watched Wisconsin defensively, and they're a good defense. I I like the way they play defense a lot. Um, they're very disciplined. They attack. They get a lot. They they really try to create negative plays on on first and second down, which is what I love. So they play the they. They, they play a brand of defense that I love, but they're able to because they, they really haven't faced an offense this, this year that's really been able to challenge them. And I do think if they played FAU again, that probably would be a little different um, outcome. Not that they would lose that game or anything, but I, they would probably give up a little more yards and points. Uh, they played F, FAU week two of the season, and since then they've they've gotten you know and much better. So I I, th- I really do think the uh, there, there's a lot of really, really relevant questions to ask about Wisconsin, and are they going to be able to emulate this this success when they go up against an offense that can challenge them? Um, and that's not going to happen. That's certainly not going to happen this upcoming week in the, against Minnesota, but that will happen the next week against Ohio State. Ohio State is the number two overall um, offensive S&P team. So w- that, that'll be an interesting thing to see for sure. And we saw what happened earlier in the year when a team like Penn State, who's got a good defense, but a team like Penn State who had not faced really any competent offenses up to the point when the Nittany Lions played Ohio State. And although Penn State was in a good position to win that game, Penn State's defense was basically shredded by Ohio State. And this is a Wisconsin defense that has not faced a team anywhere near as offensively talented as Ohio State. And let's be fair, I mean, Ohio State's got one of the best offenses in college football, but Wisconsin's been uh, fortunate enough to avoid the Buckeyes until, well, the very end of the season, which we will see that game in a couple weeks. And uh, let's be honest, I mean, Ohio State's going to go into that game maybe a double-digit favorite. They might be favored by 10 points in that game. Yeah, and so I just, just, to, just to underscore the point one more time, Lee, um, a lot of people watched that game yesterday and they saw just kind of how punchless Michigan was. Lee, that's the best offense that Wisconsin has faced in the Big Ten so far this year. And so I think that that tells you all you need to, need oh to know gosh. about. I mean, that's, yeah. that, I, that's I think that something. tells you, and that's the second best offense they've played this year, period, uh, statistically. So uh, I, I think that tells you all you need to know about about just the schedule that Wisconsin has faced and 
Um, I, I, I think Wisconsin is good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're very good. Um, but I, I think it is very, very fair to question who they've played up to this point. Um, and just the, the, the statistics bear that out. And that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, you want to talk Miami, Miami and Virginia? Uh, a little bit. I, Miami is just a really weird team. Um, they're, uh, they're super young. They're super athletic. They're super talented. That's why they're really inconsistent. Um, and it's, 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 it's hard for me not to think that once the, once, once the takeaways dry up for them, they're going to get beat. I think that's pretty obvious up to this point. They, uh, they should have lost yesterday. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, when kind of the S and P analytics come out, I wouldn't be surprised to see that this is a game where their win expectancy was probably below 50%. Um, they, because otherwise Virginia moved the ball up and down the field on their defense. And the only thing that saved them again was, was takeaways. Um, Man, it's just, and you, you can't, you can't rely on turnovers. And for the third straight game, Miami caused like forced at least three turnovers. I mean, it's insane. Like they're three. I mean, I guess you don't want to call this their biggest game. Cause I mean, it's Virginia and Virginia is now six and five, but the two previous games were their biggest games of the year. And then every game up to this point now, the rest of the season is the biggest game of the year. And the defense has been able to force turnover, turnovers. And it's not like really the defense is, is like forcing them. I mean, the first fumble Virginia had was just like a dumb fumble. They just dropped the ball yesterday. Yeah, and Miami there's picked no. It up. Yeah. And then the, like the pick six was like, are you kidding me? Like what an easy mm-hmm. pick six. Like what are you yep. doing? That Virginia, quarterback had been awesome all game and then just threw this ridiculous pick six. Yeah. Virginia turned it over three times yesterday. Two of them were fumbles. Um, fumbles are random there's really no skill involved with getting a fumble. Um, the only, the only time I could, I would say that that's not true is maybe on strip sacks. That's it. Um, there were none of those in in the game yesterday. So, uh, fumbles are totally random and, and Miami just continues to get the turnover luck. And that's not me saying that Miami's bad. They're clearly not when, you know, they're 10 and 0, they're obviously a good team. You have to be, you know, you have to be a good team to get to 10 and 0, but they, there, there probably has been three games this year that they've, they've generally been, been lucky to win and, you know, more power to them. If, if they continue to win, no one's going to, no one's going to question that at the end of the season. Um, but, but I really do think that they're, they're setting themselves up to get beat, you know, may, maybe next week. Um, they, they have to play an 11 a.m. game. I guess it'd be noon, um, where they are at pit, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, would it really surprise you if they, well, I mean, because eventually Miami's going to turn it over three times and the other team's not going to turn it over. I mean, that's going to happen eventually. So, uh, yeah, Malik Rozier certainly is capable of giving the ball away. He had two picks against Virginia, and this is going to be the first road game for Miami in three weeks. I mean, they've got all these big games at home. And, um, I mean, you got to give them credit, though. I mean, down 14 to nothing at one point and then later in the game again down by 14 points and Miami was still able to win although part of me really thinks that Virginia helped them out significantly in that sure. game sure and uh, I mean the, their quarterback Bankert was was really really good was good Virginia's got some good skill guys I I don't know where that came from but yeah Virginia I thought Virginia's offense is pretty solid let's see Anything else? I mean, the Oklahoma State loss to Kansas State. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll put it I'd, this I'd way: like, I, yeah. I, I was, you know, you know me. I've, I've been giving Oklahoma State the benefit of the doubt all season long. I had them in at number six in my top ten this past week, and I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where before this season, I had been more dialed in 
to SEC football for the past couple of years because I lived in Texas and covered Texas A&M, and I didn't get a chance to really follow Big 12 stuff a lot. So it had been a while since I was really in-depth following the Big 12 and Oklahoma as closely as I would have liked to, and of course Oklahoma State. So for the first time in a while, I'm following Oklahoma State closely and of course the Sooners closely. And that team, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but that team, Oklahoma State, is extremely talented, especially on offense. We disagree a bit on how talented they are on defense. I think there's some talent on defense, some good talent on defense. You don't necessarily agree, but no, I don't. I don't think they have an NFL player on defense. It's it's a to me this the game Saturday against Kansas State. Losing that game is more evidence. To me, it's more evident that it's it's a culture thing. It's just a culture of kind of being a second tier school with Oklahoma State because with that kind of offense and that kind of talent. You gotta just. I mean, again, they scored forty, but at one point, Oklahoma State was down forty-two to thirteen in the second half to Kansas State. Kansas State's not particularly good on offense and not particularly good on defense. And for however reason, Bill Snyder gets those guys up against good teams, but yet he finds a way to lose to Vanderbilt. And back in like week two or three, whatever that was, it's just he's a great coach. One of the best coaches of all time, no question about it. And I don't understand, though, how how Oklahoma State loses to a team like that, especially against a third-string quarterback. Here's, um, it's just it's so, weird. It's weird, so man. So here's, here's my kind of take on this, Lee, and this is, this is sort of the trend that I've noticed pretty much all throughout Bill Snyder's tenure with Kansas State, is they're really only able to pull off games like this when the other team is taking them lightly. And I think that's that's almost certainly the case of what happened yesterday. I, I'm assuming Oklahoma State went into the game thinking, we're just going to roll over these guys because we have just the obvious talent advantage. And I think they did. Um, but for whatever reason, when another team comes in you know, with that menta- mentality against Kansas State, they're going to get beat. That, that usually is the case. Um, I, I don't want to say that Oklahoma State has just kind of given up on the season because they went on the road last week and beat Iowa State, and they, they still had every opportunity. I mean, if they, they weren't 10-2, and two, they were going to play in a New Year's Six game. And for a program like Oklahoma State, that's huge. So they still had plenty to play for. Um, so I have to think they just they went into that game, uh, a home game. Uh, it was senior day, I believe, and they were just thinking – we're just we're going to move the ball easily. It's just going to be business as usual against Kansas State. Uh, they have their third string uh, running back, or I'm sorry, their third string quarterback. We're just going to roll over these guys. That's you know I think Bill Snyder has proven you know for 30 years that's you know that's exactly where he wants you to be in, in that situation. So um, yeah, I, I mean I'm so surprised by that game. I did not see it coming at all. Um, you know, it, it brings us back, man. Bill Snyder just really has a knack for taking guys that nobody wants and competing with them, and that's exactly what happened last night. Not only did they com- did he compete with them, I mean, for a while they they ran and hide against Oklahoma State. They were beating <laughs> the ever living crap. Out I stopped of them. watching it. I turned the game off and turned to a different game. Is like, this is game's over? This isn't even worth watching anymore. Yep, yep. And so uh, I, that's all I have to say about it. I mean, give give Kansas State credit and just. Uh, Mike Gundy needed to do a better job of getting his team ready, I think. And um, I, I think it's very interesting that you bring up the culture thing. Um, I I sort of, I think before we came on to record, I said it, it would be a culture of losing at Oklahoma State. I don't think, I don't think that's it. I think they've, 
I think they've kind of played themselves into that sort of uh, purgatory like effect where they're not a nationally elite program, but they still kind of expect to win uh, types of games like this easily. And maybe they're just not at that um, at, at that spot yet. Um, they, I, I still don't think they have the talent overall to just show up and beat a team like Kansas State, even though I think I, I believe they think that they're at that level when they're not. And that's just kind of where I'll leave it. I think there's a chance that, and not just a chance, I, I think it's a certainty that Oklahoma State supporters and Oklahoma State fans will, will look back at this season and probably already are, and seeing this year as a huge missed opportunity because that offense, I think, is better than it was. Uh, what was it, 2011 with Brandon Whedon when, when Oklahoma State was was vying for a national championship potentially that season. And I think the defense might have been a little bit better that season. The defense was definitely better that year. Okay, so yeah. and, and I'm not well versed on that that year, but I just the way the offense is played, and, and I've watched every single Oklahoma State game this year. That offense is is extremely good, but it just they're, they're it, it's kind of it's it's been it's an offense that obviously was limited against Texas, and it it was limited for most of the game on Saturday against a bad Kansas State defense. So. It shows you that there are some flaws there in that offense, but at the same time, though, a couple breaks here and there in Oklahoma State before Saturday's game is unbeaten. Grant, I mean, that's just that's that's a missed opportunity. And, but and they're I hope not. As, they're not though. They're not. They're not. And and neither is in in Miami is unbeaten. And you mentioned that there's three maybe three games where they could have lost, but yet the Hurricanes have found ways to win. It's just crazy how football works that way. And I just hope that we're not looking back. Heck, a, a week or from now or two weeks from now at, and thinking, man, that was a missed opportunity for Oklahoma because they had the best player, the best quarterback that this program has seen and couldn't couldn't win it. So I just I hope that's yeah. not what we're looking back on. Yeah. And I think I think this is a good a, a good point to end the podcast. And I'm going to I'm going to say it just this. Um, uh, I really hope we're not looking back and saying the same thing about OU, especially given just the national landscape of college football this year. And we're and I've harped on it now the last week, but it would it would really be a shame if we see just the wide open nature of the national championship race this year, and it'd just be a really sh- a, a big shame if we look at this season and then we just say, oh, well, Alabama just won the national championship. I, I think this is this this season is wide open for someone new to come in and win this thing, and, and I hope, and I and I hope obviously we're on the right end of it. All right, that's our show. We'll be back later this week to talk OU West Virginia. Plus, of course, we'll discuss the latest playoff rankings and our newest and most recent top 10 rankings. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.